HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. Hey, this is Kat, Communications Director of HRN, here with a preview of Episode 2 of Meat and 3. This week, we're talking pork. We'll learn the best way to make a BLT. I don't think I've ever successfully made a BLT just because I eat the bacon before any other part. How pitmasters and restaurateurs are helping put small-scale pig farmers back to work in Alabama. It's all about money. That's the bottom line. What pork has to do with economics? Farmers could be particularly affected by China's threat to levy its own tariffs on pork and soybeans. And with government. Basically all of politics is pork at this point. So tune in on Friday afternoon for your weekly serving of Meat in 3. And make sure you subscribe to be the first to know when new episodes air. If you're a food company and you're doing pretty good and you have early adapters and some sales... How do you make the jump to the next level? What do you do? Maybe you get into Food Future Co., the scale-up accelerator. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month, to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And today we have a full, full house um, talking to several company founders and the founder of Food Future Co., which is a scale-up accelerator, which is a little bit different from the typical accelerator, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. Are you a, if you're a startup, this is going to be a very interesting show for you. If you're a startup, a very interesting show for you would be to come on June 14th to our second live pitch show. We will have two companies pitch venture capitalist Charlie O'Donnell, who's the founder of Brooklyn Bridge Ventures. We had a pitch show on earlier this year. It was episode 135. And it was such a success. And we had such a great response from the startup community that we decided to do it all again. 
So if you are a startup, you are pre-75K investment, you are New York City-based, very important. You are available to be in studio on June 14th for the live broadcast of Tech Bytes at 11 a.m. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. Send us your pitch deck. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We'd love to hear from you, and who knows? Maybe you'll get an opportunity to pitch Charlie live on the air. So today, joining us, we have a few different... I, they're not really startups because they're established and they have product and they're selling. We have some founders, um, and we will go around the shipping container and introduce them all, as we always do, talking about apps. What's your favorite app? A new one you've discovered, maybe an old one that's been living on your home screen forever and ever. The only rule is that you cannot talk about an app that you own, have invested in, or designed. It's the only, the only rule. So sitting next to me is Romy Rod. She's the co-founder of Metabrew, which is a very interesting um, tea, MTCOL superfood beverage. I'm actually drinking the black tea one now. It's very delicious. We'll see if, you know, <laughs> we'll see if I maintain my, my buzzy voice throughout the show. Romy, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Um, thank you for bringing the tea. We love it when people bring snacks. Of course, it's a food product. You gotta <laughs> <Exactly>. try it. <laughs> we love food product samples on the food tech show. Do you have an app that you like right now that you use a lot? Um, it's like a love-hate relationship. I uh, love Asana. It's an app that I can't live without. And in the beginning, it actually took me some time to adjust to the app, but I feel like now it's so essential to everything I do that it just kind of helps me guide guide me through the day. And what is it? Explain it, to people what it is so you don't know. It's an organizational um, app. It helps you um, create tasks, assign them, uh, work within team, um, share projects, uh, follow up with people, get updates on how things are progressing. And it kind of keeps you in check, um, also helps you understand how much you're producing throughout the day. So your team uses it as well, I yeah. assume, or else yeah, you'd yeah, be yeah. organizing your productivity <laughs> We're alone. We're pretty well organized in terms of uh, that, yeah. Can you spell it for us? It's A-S-A-N-A, -A -A, Asana. And you are on an iPhone or an Android? On an iPhone. Okay, so it's an iOS. Yeah, and there's a desktop version, oh, too. Okay, yeah. is it free? It's for free. Okay, great. Yeah. So there you go. We get a lot of productivity apps yeah. on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of them. I was listening to an earlier show on my way into the studio, which is part of my pre-show ritual. Um, and I actually noted uh, on the show I was listening to when they did like productivity that they should, we should do a show on productivity. I'd be listening to that. Yeah, it'd be interesting. <laughs> Maybe we'll work on that for the summer. Yeah. Calling in from California, calling in from California, we have Hunter Bryson, who is the co-founder of a company called Jewels of the Forest, and they do delightful snacks with mushrooms. Hunter, are you with us on the phone? Uh, yes, I am. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for calling in. It's it's a little bit earlier for you out there on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. I was just getting up, getting my son ready for school. Nice. So do you have an app that you like or you're using quite a bit right now? Um, you know, I'm, I spend most of the time in the kitchen. Um, I don't have time really to sit down on a computer, but when I do... You know, it's, um, I, I just kind of refound Google Calendar. You know, it was just something that uh, was going to help me keep track of how many days I need to be in the kitchen actually making jerky, 
and uh, when I need to get it sent out by. Um, it's just uh, something that my brother and I kind of linked up through, and it's easy to to connect on. So, do you use any share of our, and share calendars? Do you use any of the other uh, Google suite of products? I mean, they're pretty robust at this stage, especially for the entrepreneur, and given that they're all mostly free. Yeah, you know, um, shoot, you know, uh, some of the other Google. I think it's, uh, I think Flow might be part of Google. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Again, I'm. I'm not the tech, most tech-savvy guy. I'm uh, more hands-on, you know? But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I'm not, uh, not quite sure what other apps I'd really be using all the time. Google Calendar, I use it also. It's really, really helpful, especially when it connects to your email, and then it just sort of populates everything automatically, so you don't have to pay attention to it quite so much. It almost runs on its own. Exactly. That's, that's one of the main reasons that I enjoy it is, since I don't have much time to, to be on there. And so also joining us today is the founder and managing partner of Food Future Co., Shen Tong, who's a return guest. He was one of our first guests back in 2015, almost three years ago, more than three years ago. Shen, thank you for coming back. Good morning, Jennifer. Glad to be here. So is there an app that you really like right now or something that you use all the time? Old one, new one? Well, I mean, you mentioned uh, Google Suite. We use business uh, uh, suite, but um, the uh, uh, full future call is more a um, platform and network. We, we see as uh, so. So there's basically everything is uh, is in the cloud. <laughs> so right. uh, you know, the, uh, anything from uh, as light as pick uh, a time for for getting investors lined up for speed dating for companies uh, last week to. Uh, to uh, uh, something heavy of, of uh, uh, web analysis and uh, and uh, community organizing blasts. It's all also different uh, different kind of suites and and um, and uh, 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 online apps. What's the app on your phone that you use the most? My phone. Hmm. I wish there's alternative, but I still use Yelp a lot. <laughs> <laughs> still use Yelp a lot. Do you use it out of interest or actually for information? Do you read the reviews? Do you think it's valid? Is it curiosity research? Yeah, I, I don't. I I, I use a, 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 a alias, but uh, I, I, a lot of people view my photos more than my reviews. I've been using it for so long, and that, you know, see the uh, yes, I do uh, use that for uh, restaurant navigation. Interesting, and you find it reliable. No, but it's a good point of reference. Yes, true. It is a good database of information, <clears throat> for sure. And now you can do all kinds of things with it. They're expanding. We've never done a show on Yelp. We probably should. Um, it's a giant, giant thing that we don't talk about that much. It's usually a footnote from restaurant people, you know, making a small complaint under their breath about how they don't like it. <laughs> I use MoviePass a lot, but they're changing. You know, they're making it more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so... We are here today um, talking, as we mentioned at the top of the show, about Food Future Co. It is an accelerator. It's a little bit different from the typical accelerator that uh, is in the startup community and an accelerator that we've talked about on this show before. The difference primarily is most startups are dealing with and helping companies that are in the very, very early stages of development. They maybe have an idea that's on paper. They've maybe done prototypes. But they really haven't formed into a full-fledged, real company that's producing things and has a marketplace and is selling and, and working and running. So most accelerators, accelerators are helping people try and get to that stage and also help them to get the funding to turn into a real company. 
Food Future Co. is different in that they're a scale-up. And scale-up means that the companies that they work with have already established product and sales and channels and are fully formed companies. In many instances, they're projected to do you know, maybe a million dollars a year in sales. And they are helping them sort of make the jump to the next stage. Many new companies get to this early stage where they have early adopters, they have people in metropolitan urban areas who are interested in the space, who are a specific consumer, and they have a hard time jumping from a hyper-specific niche consumer to the mass market, the broader market, the supermarket, the larger scale, you know, outside, you know, places like New York City and Los Angeles. So Food Future Co. is the company that does that. And, um, you know, I, Shen and I have talked about this many times over the years, and if you really want to uh, geek out on the idea of making that leap from early adapter into the mainstream, the absolute definitive work and study and sort of handbook for that process is a book called Crossing the Chasm, which was first published back in 1991 by a man named Jeffrey Moore. And it's been updated a few times since then, but it really sort of details out the sort of social and psychological marketplace parameters of what people have, what they do, who the early adapters are, and then what people need to sort of make that push to go into exploring and, and becoming fans of a new product. So if you are a founder, tech person, interested in how uh, sociology, psychology affects marketing, the marketplace, and the products ultimately you have at home, it's a fascinating, fascinating book. So, Shen, I, I think I would love to just start off with talking to you about why this is, you know, you're very unique. I think you're the first scale-up accelerator. Why is that an, uh, an important, interesting, worthwhile thing for, for you to do with your time and, and your efforts? Well, for, for any uh, major behavior shift uh, through a uh, business force for good of scale, the, uh, you really need an ecosystem. Uh, from force for good. I don't yes. want to gloss over force for good. Well, you know, because uh, that's important. Force for good doesn't necessarily have anything to do with business. Uh, well, uh, even we, though maybe it should. Yeah, well, it, it should and it can. And what we see is that uh, among the, the dozens of companies we have helped in the last four years, they're they're uh, almost all uh, social entrepreneurs. Certainly, in uh, uh, Full Future Call, um, they're all social entrepreneurs. And and. Uh, in this day and age, especially in this space of, of uh, sustainable agriculture and uh, healthy and, and tasty food, the uh, more than anything else, uh, when, when I say anything else, which I mean uh, policy um, or uh, social protest, we're in an area that is actually quite uh, 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 advanced and, and pioneering this space, which is a cultural uh, behavior shift, advocacy. Education compared to all, all of those uh, different engines for change, business as forceful good is probably the, the most uh, important driving force to get to the next level, to get to the mainstream, to really make, uh, to really move the needle. You know? So, so but but a, a step stepping back a little bit from that, it's it's just generally you need a, a, a ecosystem to really uh, help. Uh, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes an ecosystem to to really. Make a, a, a product uh, to uh, to become ubiquitous, or at least uh, 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 trailblaze uh, a new space. So, 
the uh, the accelerator model has proven itself to be really uh, effective value creation. It's kind of a second coming of uh, what's known as incubator, right? But uh, but uh, some, some majority of uh, of venture backed uh, businesses today have gone through at least one accelerator. So uh, so VC funding have gone to, to more than half of the uh, of venture back funding. So so uh, we we realized that uh, when we first started uh, um, uh, the startup accelerator, as you point out, is typically post concept, maybe post product pre revenue. That that uh, that space really exploded in the last four years with only less than a handful of uh, serious accelerators. Uh, the two leading ones happen to be New York. Two nearly 200 now in four years that's that's 50 to 100 times growth but that's the amazing. next day yeah the next stage is lacking 200 yeah. food focused accelerators right now so i mean we we track uh, about 100 but that's uh, amazing yeah so so back then four years ago there's probably uh we probably track nearly 100 kitchen incubators but again uh, it's just only two or three serious accelerators with multi-stage funding which is very important ingredient for that ecosystem. So, so we saw that coming almost three years ago. So we said, well, there's this next stage, this scale-up stage. And that is particularly important in this space because it's relatively easy to start a company now, especially for a company. You know, everybody yes. has their grandma's recipe. Yes, and, and, and everybody uh, can make it at home after work and package it and peddle it to their little local boutiques or online things. Yeah, and we saw this data pretty clearly pointing to something now in the Jeffrey Morse uh, book of, of uh, before the big Scary cats, right? You have your early adapter. Where in in CPGs in packaged uh, goods in in uh, food, the uh, new companies almost always come out of uh, what's known as organic and specialty channel, specialty channel, and their revenue plateau between three to ten million. Hmm. So we want to catch this company before that point to form their internal DNA, for, form their culture, uh, and something uh, all the technical aspects where you source and uh, how to keep the authenticity of, of your funding story and your sourcing, uh, primary pro- uh, uh, processing, secondary processing, packaging, especially distribution and, uh, and uh, domain and value-aligned investors. So one, one thing that I'd like to interject at, at this point is Shen's describing a, a stage of life in companies that are already successful from the business side, from the P&L side, from the production side. But I think a critical difference between Food Future Co., some of the accelerators and other ones, and just sort of the VC model of funding in general, there is a difference between a company that is a successful, potentially successful piece of technology or innovation and a company that is being built in a way to have a benefit to the environment, the economy, to people, to the greater good, to the social component. So oftentimes, you know, they're, oftentimes they can be related and together, and you can have a company that is interesting and successful and viable from a business point of view that also has a mission to have a positive impact in the world. But they're not necessarily always the case. And so sometimes you do see companies getting investment and funding and, you know, entering into accelerators that work in terms of the numbers, but they're not necessarily contributing something. And in some instances, they may actually, you know, have a residual effect of being something not entirely positive because it's a third party or it's going to, you know, sort of deplete a marketplace or, you know, have a negative Mm -hmm. impact on the sources or something like that. So, 
in, in, in the way that you decide what companies to help support, you have the sort of business side that you're talking about, all these different elements. What do they need to be doing on the, you know, social responsibility side? Or what do they need to have in terms of their mission statement and what their larger goals are beyond dollars in business? Because I think that's part of the crux of, of what you're interested in. Yes, it's, uh, you're right, Jennifer. It's, uh, the, uh, the, the, the two pivot from the typical uh, accelerator model when we first started four years ago into uh, full future code. One is scale up and the other is uh, social entrepreneurship. So you look at uh, our companies, uh, most of them are benefit corporation and two are even uh, B-Lab certified uh, social ent- uh, entrepreneurship. I mean, but, in, but we believe that uh, uh, not only today, but more importantly, tomorrow's businesses uh, need to be good business, uh, business as force for good. Just business is just good business. I mean, as that, force for profit. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, well, it's it's uh, we didn't invent this, but it's uh, it's called multi bottom line, right? So so it's not just profit, but it's probably also uh, people and planet, and with a purpose, right? So it's a three P or four P. That's one of our companies. So four P foods in DC. It's expanding in New York zone. So that um, the the uh, so so um, the the same millennial generation who drove this. Um, Massive behavior shift toward uh, more interesting, more ethnic, more tastier food is demanding meaning in work, and and the same millennial generation, they they uh, they they very wealthy part of it, the millennials of the of the heirs of major wealth, are demanding that meaning in their investment. So this is a typical disruptive moment where we have a we have a general horizon again, building just good business. Very scalable businesses that that not just make money, but uh, uh, but do social and environmental goods, and so so this is a blue ocean movement toward that horizon. How exactly we get there, we actually don't know. But uh, that's where we actually follow the cue of of the what we call uh, entrepreneur trend lines, which are the social entrepreneurs in our in our uh, in our portfolio in our accelerator. That's fascinating that you are committed to a storyline of supporting businesses for a greater good and that you're on this journey without really having a sense of where the destination is. That's really an interesting place to be and then running business and functioning, sort of adapting as you go along, which I guess is the nature of being an entrepreneur in today's day and age. Yeah, we don't, but we do. I mean, there's a general horizon, right? Mm-hmm. And but there's there's a, there's a, there's no defined path. So so futurist has a lot easier uh, job than ours because we generally know in 20 years uh, the the most of the brands of, of uh, Gen X and and, uh, and boomers are gone. I mean, especially in our space, right? And uh, in their place, there will be somewhat more authentic uh, uh, and healthier choices in agriculture and in food. But, uh, but we're, we're, we're making, uh, uh, if not daily, but, but we, you know, quarterly decisions of how to go about it. And there is, there is a real smart in investing in that wisdom, different from investing in knowledge, which I've been doing for four, four or five hundred years. Right? Right. So, so, I mean, the, probably the greatest knowledge is the fact that we know a certain system that works, but we don't know how exactly it works. And this is particularly true in, in the current really uh, socially, environmentally impacting trends of healthy food, because yep. nature and culinary tradition uh, are just smarter systems compared to agriculture, and, uh, 
farm, uh, factory farming and food labs. Well, we started off, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago in a much better, uh, you know, nature, food, culinary uh, ecosystem together. And then sort of along the way, I think we got lost and broke it. And now we're trying to circle back and put it back together. Mm. So you, um, Jewels of the Forest and Meta Brew are all parts of the third cohort, which is happening right now. And cohort is, uh, you know, food tech lingo for current group or class. You are also currently accepting applications for cohort number four. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you select the companies, what you're looking for, um, you know, maybe some things of where something would seem an obvious choice but doesn't work, things that you are interested in right now. The fourth cohort, I believe, starts in August. Uh, yes, uh, August or September in, mm -hmm. in the fall. But they, uh, so in addition to understanding uh, that the, the wisdom and the resilience of, of uh, uh, regenerative agriculture and, um, and the culinary traditions, those are two main, um, main pillars and, and frames through which we, we look for ideas. And, and within that, uh, there, there's, uh, uh, there's about three dozen areas we've been tracking anything from uh, what's now become popular food waste or probiotic to something still uh, very cutting edge if it's not bone shot areas like uh, heritage breed. Right. And and uh, and of course, um, so there's some more more nuanced areas like uh, one of our comp graduate companies, Metabrew, that that have a dif different combination of uh, super ingredients and and uh, and and uh, uh, cold brew coffee and tea. They, uh, uh, we do look at tech very seriously because we look at uh, technology actually broader than that. We call it modern conveniences. It could be packaging, could be cooling, could be transportation, could be social network that that, that build or rebuild communities. But we, we see the with, with through this third lens, we really look at how all this uh, tech or modern conveniences leverage the resilience of nature and culture instead of uh, replacing it. Fascinating, and I think cultural history or cultural food history and and food heritage is, is not typically something that you hear as a consideration point in a tech accelerator. <laughs> history and uh, tradition is is usually not something that people are focused on. People are so forward looking sometimes that I think they forget the foundation that that things are built on. We're going to take a quick break and hear who part of the Heritage Radio Network Foundation is. You may not know this, but we are a 501c3 nonprofit, and we keep the lights on and the mics hot entirely out of the generosity of our members, grants, and underwriters. So stay with us, find out who is supporting this show, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Metabrew and Jewels of the Forest and see what kind of uh, innovations they're going to bring to the supermarket. Stay with us. Think about what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound. What does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy saltwater? What would you be made of? Wild Alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass, long-chain omega-3s, and incredible micronutrients. It matters where your food comes from. Experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. 
Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is an accelerator called Food Future Co. We are talking with the founder and managing partner, Shen Tong. We are also talking with some of the cohort members. We are talking with Rami Rad of Metabrew and Hunter Bryson of Jewels of the Forest. If you're a startup and you think that a scale-up accelerator is for you, Food Future Co. is accepting applications for cohort number four. You can find them online at foodfuture.co. You can find them on social media at Food Future Co. If you want to follow Shen, he's at Shen Tong. And I believe the application process ends sometime soon. Yes, uh, in a couple of months. Yeah. So... Why would a com- we we know why Shen wants to help support companies and help them evolve? He likes good food, but ultimately his his greater goal is is a better place and a better sort of environmental world life for all of us. So in one in many ways, food companies are a little bit of an ends to a means, but also the vehicle that touches the most people's lives because everybody eats food. And if you change food, you change everything. I yes. can make, really make yes. the case for that. Yes. Yeah. So, but why would a company want to participate in a scale-up accelerator? Um, it's an interesting thing. It's not necessarily for everybody. So, Romy, why don't you tell us what attracted you to the Food Future Co. Yeah. accelerator? It's actually while I'm uh, drinking a delicious uh, <laughs> black tea meta brew during the show, which is very good. It's black tea, MTC oils, and superfoods. So yeah, uh, it's actually a funny story. Um, go back in time we had an event my business partner Natalie and I were sampling the product and uh, Jason a fellow crew from Food Future Co we didn't know who he was passed by our table sampled the product loved it bought a case and went home um, started drinking it every day and he got hooked on it he uh, emails us the next week and he's like listen guys I'm part of Food Future Co I think you're up to something big and let's talk and we heard about Food Future Co. We've heard about other incubators, but we weren't necessarily considering it uh, at that point. Uh, we met with Jason, we met with Shen and a bunch of other people, and we just felt the mission or the mission of Metabrew aligned very well with the mission of Food Future Co. Um, we felt that we were, you know, creating something that's maybe for the future. People are right now shifting their mind about how they perceive food um, and clean energy. And we felt like they kind of understood where we're going. And um, that was very essential for us to consider partnering up with them. Have you found it difficult to find organizations that understand your mission and your point of view? Sometimes it's not hard to find uh, someone that understands it, but it's hard to find someone that actually speaks the same language. There's a lot of um, values right up in the air that everyone speaks about, but who actually is doing it on, you know, on the ground 
is a very different experience. So Hunter, Jewels of the Forest, Shroom Snacks, we don't have any samples today, but maybe you can send us some in the mail. <laughs> Because um, oh, it looks definitely. it looks delicious. What attracted you to the Food Future Co. Accelerator? Um, uh, my brother was looking at various other you know accelerator programs over here on the West Coast, and we couldn't find anything that was really fit our model of of wanting to do something you know for the environment by growing mushrooms and producing them as a food for people. So uh, he found, you know, uh, Shen and his company, and, you know, they talked for a long time, and it, it just kind of fit our, yeah, fit our model, fit our vision of what we wanted to do. And, we love uh, companies yeah, with a co-founder who's a chef. <laughs> it was just matchmaking, you know. Um, we feel like things kind of just really fall into place when you're, when you're really looking for it, or sometimes when you're not looking for it, it just kind of happens. So point then that, both of you were interested in Food Future Co. because of an alignment of mission and philosophy, which you weren't finding in other places. Yeah, it was a kind of a mix of it all. They understood the innovation behind the product. They understood where this product could go or this company could go, and they were very much aligned with the mission and the vision of our company. So starting with when you became uh, members of the cohort and starting off, what did you think it was going to be like? Did it meet your expectations? Did you imagine something different? Was it exactly what you thought it was going to be? I think they made a good... Um they made, it, they made a good point of explaining to us how it's going to be like. And it actually um, met and, and exceeded our expectations in the sense every week was kind of divided between virtual Q&As, sometimes in-person meetings. We were assigned advisors and mentors that tracked our progress every other week. And we feel like we didn't only get the educational component of it uh, and the networking, but we feel like we belong to a family now between the rest of the crew but also the rest of the companies and the cohort there's a very nice creative motivating spirit that we have either on a slack channel or um just when we meet in person and i feel like we're lucky to be part of it I feel no, like this no is fundraising the f- stars so this is a challenging <laughs> face <laughs> i feel like that's the first time somebody's had a, an emotional experience on slack that yeah. we've talked about. Slack is typically like, not an emotional place. Um, That's where we do group hubs. Yeah, yeah. group, hugs, group right? hugs on Slack. Virtual. So, Hunter, how was it for you? I'm sure coming to New York City from California, from your kitchen, you know, forest environment was probably a little bit different. Was the experience what you expected? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we we live in a small town, and we have 15 acres of redwood trees, and those are, those are our buildings. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, just going out there and, and meeting these people who have been in this business for a long time and have these connections, you know, that was really something we were looking for, just being two country boys with a vision of making an awesome mushroom jerky that's great for the world. Um, it, it, that's what, re- you know, really did entice us because um, we could be able to have those connections for later on in our life and and much later in the business and be able to recognize uh, any mistakes uh, that, you know, we shouldn't make or we might make in the future. And, uh, yeah, just to kind of really help guide us and and be there for us. Like Rami said, like a big family, you know, they're they're there to 
make sure we do grow big and healthy. Not not the not the thing people would expect to hear when we're talking about tech. I think when people think of these tech accelerators, they think of you know. Um, you know, breakneck pace of doing work and numbers and spreadsheets and cranking it out. And, and I don't think people um, really think about the support network aspect of it. It's talk a little bit about what it's like to be a founder, because we've had a lot of founders on this show. And, um, you know, at some point, it must be nice to come out of, you know, sort of isolation of being a founder on your own and, and talk with other people. Romy, did you find that to be the case? Um, I was lucky to have met my business partner in school. Actually, um, we moved to New York five years ago, did a master's. And uh, when we met, we were really kind of rebonded over mutual passions for food uh, and strategy and design. And uh, I think maybe solo founders find it really hard to, um, you know, not just persevere, but also have that kind of bandwidth to keep going even if you get hit every single day by like massive problems, I think being so having a network that supports you um, more more of a network, um, a family that supports you, other other entrepreneurs, other advisors, um, family members, friends members that understand what you go through every single day is essential. And having a co-founder is definitely a must for me. So, Hunter, your co-founder is your brother. Yeah. Yes, he's uh, uh, my older brother by four years. And uh, we, we actually live on our property with our parents and have been building up the property. So for you, what was the, what, what was the experience like in terms of being able to be with other founders? Did you find that you shared many of the same problems? Were your problems unique to them and they were able to help you solve them? Um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. You know, uh, you know, everyone's going to have pitfalls, and you know, I mean, it, it, like Shen said, it's it's hard to start a business, you know, and so to have uh, someone there that uh, has made that mistake, and then there's like, oh no, wait, you know, just take it easy on that, maybe not do some rebranding right now, you know, it could be a, a really smart idea, just to have that and um, those similarities between uh, just the three companies that are in there right now. Because um, we are all about at the same stage, so it's uh, it's comforting to know that it, it's not uh, it's not the end of the world when uh, you go out of production for a couple of months and you'll get back up on it because we have the connections. So for both of you, what was the biggest surprise? Good, bad, otherwise, the thing that surprised you the most? Maybe someone gave you a piece of advice that you totally would not have expected? Maybe you learned something about your market, maybe you made a big pivot in something in your company, but what was the, so far, the, the biggest surprise of your experience? Romy? Mm, let me think of it. Well, <laughs> you think you I, want I, some time to think? That's a big question. I, I don't talk <laughs> oh. about my biggest surprise, <laughs> okay. and, 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 and to start with that, uh, the reason we see ourselves more as a, as a nurturing and, and a networking platform is that uh, the real change makers are the, the social entrepreneurs, it's roomies and hunters and wise and, 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 and uh, Zoe are our founders. It, so uh, it's, it, was, it was actually hard for me to uh, being serial uh, founders to say, I'm, now I'm on second line. I'm on support, right? But, but in this product, I mean, I, I, I constantly learn not just from our general space, uh, Jennifer, but also uh, the, 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 the ingenuity of the product. Like, I, I wouldn't have imagined uh, a product like Metabrew 
uh, not only because it's own ingenuity, but also because it's the the uh, the nuances it of such a bringing such a together a, a couple different sort of not complex but sophisticated ideas about nutrition and body mechanics into one thing. Yeah, it reminds me like an iron chair that took like uh, many rounds of public coming three uh, launches right to become ubiquitous as high end uh, office chair. But this is like it's 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 like uh, now we have the conversation about eating multiple kinds of beans and and and, and grains and uh, the uh, the probiotics and the bacteria how it coexists in our body. Right. Same thing here. It's like it's it's not a uh, 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 go moving away from coffee, but moving down, uh, turning coffee into a solution that you don't drink three cups, you don't drink one cup, but have the effects and then have the antidetoxin and nut butter. I mean, is that is that a combination that is very nuanced in a culture where we're moving away from, which is monoculture, which is single ingredients. If we eat vitamin, it will be like this, right? Yeah. If we drink milk, right. so it's that kind of uh, uh, the the sophistication that I really couldn't imagine like a year, two years ago. That this are this are products that are selling in stores. And same thing with with, uh, with shroom snack. I mean, maybe surprised. How could a company fit so well with our with our wacky whole thesis, right? It's ethnic cuisine. Yes, it is, is very yeah. perfect product. It's yeah. also ecological and vegetarian and all It's all plant-based. Yeah. yeah, yeah, perfect. Hunter, what was the biggest surprise for you so far on your Food Future Co. journey? Um, <clears throat> really, the how I, I thought it was going to be a lot more business side um, because, you know, I, I'm a chef, been a chef since I was 15 years old. And 33 now, and uh, more than half you know, your how, life. <laughs> how well, I was actually able to understand what these big name people were talking about, and and really be able to connect and and yeah, really understand like the numbers and what they're saying and what we should uh, do and and how to go about it. You know, it, it made it they made it more in uh, you know easier to. Uh, to get the point across. That's great. Romy, that was, did you... That was, that was my biggest surprise, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> did you um, think of one? It is business after all. Shen actually made me think of like one big aha moment we had this uh, this past semester um, it's been really challenging for us to define our product it comes from you know a complexity of ingredients of science but also like what is it really doing for me is it just coffee is it just tea how can we you know tell people that it's it not a metabolic coffee? fat burner <laughs> is it like this crazy thing that's gonna just make me feel amazing is it magic and I think they helped us uh, big time just to hone down our message, really pinpoint what is special about MetaBrew and how can we define it in words that people can understand. Um, so we call them consciously caffeinated superfood drinks made out of plant-based organic ingredients. These are simple terms that everyone can understand. We designed the, the bottle uh, having purpose in mind, accessibility, nourishment, and delicious delicious taste so these are all simple components to the business everyone can relate to and we feel like the feedback has been uh, quite amazing since we made this changes so i don't need to ask you both if it was worth your while and worth your time and worth your investment to be a part of food future co because it sounds like i would get a resounding <laughs> yes from both of you um, oh yeah definitely so if you are interested in finding out more about the shroom jerky, you can go to shroom, S-H-R-O-O-M, jerky.com. 
that's where you can find the Jewels of the Forest website. If you want to follow them on social media, they are at Shrooms Snack. If you want to see them in real life and you're out on the West Coast, they will be at the McLeod Mushroom Festival in McLeod, California over the Memorial Day weekend. You can get information about that at McLeodChamber.com. I'm assuming that's the McLeod Chamber of Commerce website. They are also going to be in Los Angeles on June 16th at the Vegan Playground, which will be put on by Vegan Hard. If you want information about that, go to veganhard.com. Thank you for calling in from the West Coast Hunter. If you Thank want you. more you so much, Jennifer. If you want more information about Metabrew, they are themetabrew.com. You can find them on social media at the Metabrew. Um, if you want to follow Romy, she is at Romy R O O 1. Um, I'm drinking it. It's delicious. Probably if I had a case of it and drank it every day, I'd be addicted to it also. Um, I'm, in, I'm imagining all of the fat burning right now while <laughs> I've been doing the show. And again, if you are interested in finding out about Food Future, it's foodfuture.co, accepting applications for cohort number four. Um, if you want to follow Shen at Shen Tong for social media. If you want to follow Food Future Co., it's at Food Future Co., Really fantastic, ongoing, great resource. They have a blog. They have different, you know, news pieces. You can check out the companies from cohorts one and two. Um, really interesting things happening. And, um, you know, again, when you're thinking about business and if you're a consumer and the products you buy and the apps you download, you know, there's a difference between being a, a business that's going to be profitable and a business that's going to do well for the environment and the people on the planet. Sometimes they're related, sometimes they're not. So, you know, where you spend your dollars and what you download is, is important. So it's always nice to learn more. If you would like to learn more about Tech Bytes, visit us at heritageradionetwork.org. If you would like to take the podcast with you, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, and Spotify. If you want to get in touch with us, we are techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We are on social media at techbyteshrn. We are here every Thursday at 11 a.m. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you come back and listen. And we will listen to our amazing theme song by DJ Uptown Nico, Nomad a CPU track, to take us home. I'm Jennifer Leitzi, and this is Tech Bytes. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.